Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Introducing for the 30-some-month time... It is the B&E Podcast, the Brandon and Evan Show, on a not-so-serious Sunday. A beautiful Sunday. Beautiful Sunday. Gorgeous. There's a uh, nice cool breeze rolling through the window to relieve these these heated spring days. <laughs> yeah, so that ambient noise you hear, that's just us, get, us getting some fresh air. Yeah, us keeping our, uh, keeping our temperature in check. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I don't know. What's, what's, what's your deal? So I don't know. <laughs> what's your deal, Evan? <laughs> what's my deal? Oh man. What's your deal these days? What's my deal these days? I don't know. It's a, it's a lot of, um, a lot of learning, a lot of, um, you know, like we've talked a bit before about just like with, with getting a school up and off the ground and like getting your message out there and, and learning a lot about, um, about doing business. And something that's really struck me, it's a very cool thing. Um, you know, my, my fiance, she's a, she's a coach. She's a, she does like a creative coaching and as well as like, which goes into some of like the life coaching, uh, realm. So she's, she's super engaged with this stuff. Like, all the time. And like, she's watching videos and reading books and this and that. And so I'm, I'm getting all of this stuff, you know, like this sort of trickle down effect (laughs) of all of it. And I, I just think it's so, it's so cool what's going on in, in business right now, Mm -hmm. you know, like with, because everything is changing so much the the classic sort of industrial model of people doing business and with so many people now going into business for themselves because there's just there's not there's not jobs in that corporate setting anymore mm-hmm. uh within the old model like there's just it's not the same and people finding these really interesting ways to use their skills and their talents and do it in their own in their own way and sort of, and I love all of these, these coaches, like where they're all coming from, Mm -hmm. you know, like a lot of them, you know, sort of in the, you know, who've had the way paved for them by people like, like Tony Robbins or something like that, you know, who, you know, as is of a, of a certain type of coach, but just the message that I'm, I'm hearing so much of these coaches, talking about. And it's so encouraging to me uh, because it's transforming what people think of as business Mm -hmm. and as sales and making it into something that is so full of integrity and about being honest and like, you know, like dropping all of the, the garbage, the facade and being real people connecting to each other and helping each other out. I mean, we've been talking a lot about that, but Mm -hmm. I I just think it's interesting that it, this sort of thing is going on in a more business minded place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's amazing how many people are out there with, you know, great information to share and, and teach everybody. You know, I was at, actually at a party last night for a friend's uh, 30th and his sister's a teacher and she was talking to me a bit about how teaching is changing and how mm. things are now more project-based for kids and how, you know, they ask the kids, like, what are you curious about? What do you, what is, what is your wonder or something like that? You know, right. what, what are you wondering? And then the kids go, well, I'm wondering this. And then they go, okay, great. So then they help facilitate them look into a wonder they have, which I think is such an amazing model of teaching. Yeah. Right? And, I mean, I think when I was a kid, it was just like, just do this, read this book or whatever. And apparently the way things are changing now, at least with, with, with her and with uh, the school that she's involved in is that, you know, the children are offered a selection of books to read as opposed to like, you have to read this book, you know, what book interests you? What do you want to read about? You know what I mean? And I think this is so good because that's, you know, that's what we do. I mean, we, I think we are naturally curious and we want to learn, but when you're told what you have to learn, you, you might think, Oh, I don't like learning. I don't like being educated because someone was telling you to, to learn something you weren't curious about yet. Yeah. You know? And so you might be curious about it another day, but you know, right now you're curious about this or that. And she was talking about how, you know, so Vancouver, you know, we're big for salmon and stuff like that. Right. Um, <laughs> so they did this thing where they went, all the kids went out and they looked at all the salmon and their eggs and started to learn about that and whatever. And they all got to kind of present a way in which they learn the information. Like how do they understand it? And some of the more theatrical kids, they, they did a play right? To demonstrate. One of them was like a little fish wiggling around, you know, right. and then they're like, these are the eggs and all this. And then another kid, um, did like, uh, was on the technology. So he did like a PowerPoint presentation, you know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. And, and they all did a very, another kid came up with this idea where he was switching, like he created a TV, a fake TV kind of with a box or something right. and a remote. And he's like, you know, switching the channels and, and he's like on this channel, we talk about this part of the salmon thing. And on this channel, we talk about this. And so it was like watching TV as this information was shared with you or whatever. So yeah. these kids are coming up with these fascinating, like really creative things yeah. because they've been allowed to now. And so now learning about salmon, you know, they've, they put their signature on it. It's, it's creative. It's fun. They did it in the way that they wanted to do it. And, um, yeah, I mean, if, if this type of stuff continues, then, you know, I'm going to start giving points to the education system. Cause my problem with it was, it was so structured and confined and like based on the industrial model. Well, you it's know? just so standardized, yeah. right? Which I mean, you know, there, I, I understand where it was coming from, but you know, it was, it was this, yeah, it's just an, it's just an old model, mm-hmm. you know, it, it worked for its time, but now it's so different, you know, it's not, you know, X plus Y equals equals Z anymore. Yeah. Like it's, it's, that's not the way it is. And, and, you know, uh, uh, sir, you no, there's some Robinson, something Robinson, but he's, yeah. uh, he's given a, a lot of Ted talks on education and, and stuff. And they're really great. And that sounds a lot more like the, the, what he was talking about where it's like, you know, we need to move into a more organic agricultural style model of schooling from the industrial model that it's on right now. Something that, that, um, you know, encourages the growth as best it can, you know, like as opposed to just batch making, because, you know, not everybody 
not everybody deals with the academic world the same way. And no. not everybody is needs to be and should be an academic in this world. You know, like absolutely like the, I, I'm not discrediting the value of education whatsoever, but it's all just about how we're educating. Yeah. You well, know? you know, um, Einstein, and I don't know the quote exactly, but it's something along the lines of if, if being good at something or being educated or being smart was based on being able to say, climb a tree, right. Then, you know, the fish would be the stupidest animal in the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's not their skill set. That's not what, you know, but the monkey would be brilliant, right? So basically we, we've created models in our, in our society that are basically, you know, essentially climb a tree, right? Es- essentially, right? And so not everybody's, that's not everybody's skill set. And then the people who climb the tree really well, we go, well, you're the best of society. You're the ones that, you know, you're our icons. You're the ones that get the rewards. You're the ones that get the money. And then meanwhile, you have all these other people that are super talented, just not necessarily at climbing a tree. Yeah. And so then we negate all of that information. Yeah. And I think that's why, you know, you have these coaches and, and, and new learning styles coming out and, and we're realizing that, you know, climbing a tree is just one of the many things oh, that yeah. we could do. And I mean, I think one the, the flip side to that too, is that, you know, you have the people who could climb the tree really well. And then as soon as they get outside of you know, the school system, as soon as they get outside of it. And suddenly it's just like, oh, well, we don't need you to climb a tree. We need you to swim in the ocean. Yeah. And that's <laughs> and it's why like, I don't know how to do that. Exactly. And that's why someone who sucked at school their whole life ends up becoming a multimillionaire because the world needed you to swim, but school was teaching you how to climb a tree, yeah. you know, and they, they were like, ah, I don't, you know, climbing a tree doesn't, it's not interesting to me. I'm not, whatever. I don't care about that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're less educated. They have less degrees. They have less whatever. And, and they just excel in the world because the real world is not, was not aligning with what education was, was teaching us. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, in certain, in certain niche areas, school will set you up perfectly where you'll probably make a lot of money and succeed. Yes. But in niche areas, not in, not in wide areas. So then you got all these people that get their degree, they get their masters, they get whatever. And they're like, now what do I do? Work at Starbucks because the world isn't designed for your skill set anymore. And you know what? We have enough of them because everybody else did the exact same thing you did and conformed to that model. And we already got a whole bunch. So, you know, now the worst part about it is, And I mean, this is the model I'm trying to help people change in their careers in the film industry, because I believe people in the film industry have been taught the same way. So when you show up to try and work in the film industry, you've been conforming to a model that basically pumps up the same type of person over and over and over again. And and then people at the top just go, well, well, we'll choose this person or we'll choose that person. Or for actors, we'll choose this one because they're better looking or whatever, because now you're, you're, you're commodity, right? But if you do, and, and, and it's not about going out there and going, I'm going to be unique. It's about going out yeah. there and doing what's truthfully, genuinely you, and you will naturally be unique. You don't have to try to be unique. That's what, I think that's what people don't understand. So then you got these other teachers who are even causing more damage because they're going, I'm going to teach you how to be unique. No, yeah. that's like the worst. Cause now it's like, now you're trying to fake uniqueness, right? Uniqueness yeah. is innate. It's, it's, uh, it comes out of you because, you know, your whole history, your experience, your life, whatever, right? Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing that isn't nurtured. And mm-hmm. I think it's because it's an, it's a very unexplored area for us, you know, especially in our education system, you know, it's, um, 
that it, they don't really know how to, how to navigate that. It's like, how do you, how do you bring that out of people? What's innately unique about them? And it's like, well, no, it's maybe not as easy. It's not as scientific a process, but it doesn't mean that it's not doable. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that it's not maybe the most important thing that we should be doing. Right. Well, you know, it takes a little more, uh, it takes a little more thought, it takes a little more brain work and it, um, you know, it takes a little bit more one-on-one attention and less kind of just standardized approach, you know, where, um, <clears throat> you know, they started to do something in my school, in my high school near the end, which I thought was, was actually one of the best things they ever did. And, um, they basically started preparing you for areas you could go into if you wanted to do post-secondary or if you wanted to do just things in life. And, um, initially I thought I wanted to be an architect and an engineer. That was kind of where I was going. And so 15, 16, my grades were off the charts. You know, they were, you know, I was getting scholarships, whatever. And I was in this drafting and design program, you know, working with AutoCAD, designing like layouts and blueprints for building properties and whatever. It was all right. And, you know, I I was, I was liking, I was learning and I was focused on something that I wanted to do. And then I went away that summer that actually that summer after that. And I was like, Oh my God, filmmaking. Like I, I found filmmaking. And what was crazy is that they actually had a filmmaking program and I didn't know about it. And then I came back to school and I said, I don't want to be an engineer anymore. I don't want to be an architect. I want to be a filmmaker. And they said, you know, we have a program for that. And I was like, really? I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) And they were like, but it's full. Like we can't get you in. And I was like, Oh my God. But they're like, but we started this one class. Actually, it was a drama teacher. And I, you know, she was kind of, uh, because she did this and I, I wish I remembered her name. Actually, it's written somewhere. I don't remember it, but I guess she actually got this class to start. Um, but she, she said five people could be accepted into this program, which is basically directors and the, and people who wanted to be filmmakers. And what we got to do was we would make a film and we would work with the theater actors or whoever we could right. make a documentary or we could make whatever theatrical. And we had to pitch our projects to her. And I was one of the five people that got accepted. This was a life changing course because it was entirely designed by, I decided the project I did. I decided how I would do it and whatever. Unfortunately, because I couldn't get into their full film section, I didn't get to do like the editing courses and things like that. So I had to kind of go right. off and learn on my own, which I think ultimately was a benefit because it built some skills about, you know, finding your own way. Yeah. But, but this course showed me, and that was probably a, a pivotal point in my life, that it's much better to learn on your own terms than it is by someone else. And I, I don't know if everybody who was in these programs got the same results that I got, but, uh, or same experience, but this specific class, you know, was really just, we decided, we told the teacher what we would do. And then they helped guide us based on our own, our own desire and our own curiosity, you know, and I made a documentary about the school that year. I made a, you know, this little short little action film. And then, uh, we dabbled in another project and we did auditions with the actors. I mean, and I was like 16 years old, Yeah. you know, and I was, and, and I had responsibilities and I had to pitch and I had to do this stuff. And I mean, that's a, a massive thing for a young person, yeah. you know, but most classes, you know, you don't have that. You don't have that freedom. You don't, you don't get to make your own decisions. People are making decisions for you, but then you get out there in the real world and this in a lot of ways, I think prepared me for certain success in the film industry because the film industry is it's so free form. I mean, everything 
is make your own decision. What do you want to do? You know? Um, and I think a lot of times these schools, especially these film programs, you know, in my experience of them, especially in university is like tailoring you like it's some kind of funnel or system that you can go through and it's the same for everybody. And it just isn't. I mean, there are certain principles that are probably the same, but it's not like, like you apply for a job and then it, it just doesn't work quite that way. Like you, you can go that m- mode where you kind of apply for a job and you work your way up and that's one way to do it. But if you say want to head a project or especially if you want to be a writer, you know, like not like a crew member, but like someone who's a creative, you need to be someone who's going to, you know, kind of really think about what you want to do, you know, because it doesn't work the same way. And, you know, I, I can say like this as a screenwriter now, like, you know, I'm sitting down having a meeting. A lot of time I'm negotiating, you know, that's a skill that a writer needs to have. They don't teach that in writing classes. I don't, you know, it's like, that's a a foundational skill. You need to learn that. It's like, if you're just leaving that to an agent, right? Yeah. So let's just go back. Most agents won't represent a writer until a writer actually has a deal. But think about that. Why do I need my, if I can negotiate for myself, why do I need the agent? You know what I mean? I mean, eventually, you know, you'll take on the agent when things get bigger and you're dealing with bigger stuff, but but initially you're going to be the one negotiating, not, not so much them. And, and, you know, especially the way things are going, the more independent they go, the more negotiation the writer is going to be doing. Like if you try to like get an agent into all this stuff, I mean, it could just collapse the deal on you in a lot of ways. Right. Oh yeah. So, and not to say you shouldn't have an agent. I'm just saying that people don't even understand that they have just like, when I talk about it, most writers, most writers have no idea of that world. They're just like, I'm just trying to write a good script. And if I write a good script, I'll, I'll be a writer, right? It's like, no, it doesn't work that way. In fact, how good your script is, is like, and it has to be good. Don't get me wrong. It has to be good. But your script is like a small percentage of what's actually going to make you a working writer, in my opinion. Yeah. At least in my experience. And some people might say, oh, no, it's different in certain ways. But I still say, yeah, but, you know, we need to learn. We need to learn skills outside of like, just be a good writer or just be good at this thing or just be able to do a job and yeah. dot your I's and cross your T's type of thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah. it's, um, like my brother was a, was a competitive bodybuilder for a couple of years. And you know, one of the, I remember one of the things and, and if anyone's done any sort of like weight training, like with any level of like commitment or seriousness, you learn very quickly and my brother would tell me, he's like, you know, it's, he says, it is actually about like 80% diet. 80% yeah. of like what I do is diet. He's like, the gym is the, e- that's the easy part. You know, like that's, <laughs> yeah, like that's, that's not difficult at all, but it's like getting the right things like in you, nourishing yourself the right way. Yeah. The that, right times at the right times. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, and I, I think it's the same way with, with so many other things, right? Like there's, it, yeah, it's more romantic to, to work on, you know, the craft and the making <laughs> a really great story. And, and yeah. again, that's, that is, it's very important. You've got to be good at that. But at some point, you know, what's the thing that separates somebody who's, you know, who's working and somebody who isn't, you yeah. know, and it's, uh, you know, if you're a writer, it means that you, that you write, <laughs> It means that you like, you you write every day. Like you, yeah. you commit to it. You, 
you know, you're, you're creating a lot of material. Mm -hmm. Like you're showing people that like, (laughs) this is for real. You're also, you know, you're putting your work out there. You're approaching people with your work. You're, you gotta be, yeah. I mean, you gotta write every day and you gotta be out there talking to people and connecting about it. And it's not connecting because you want to get something from from people, but because you're excited about what you're doing. I mean, you know, uh, it's interesting because people, you know, people will ask you to pitch them if you're talking about stuff that you're excited about. They'll be like, well, you know, what do you got? And, and you can be like, you know, and I know this from my own personal experience. It's like, oh, well, you know, I got this movie and uh, blah, 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 blah. Here you go. They're like, wow, that sounds super cool. And I'm like, I got this movie. And actually, you know, I got a friend who does this and, uh, you know, no one's got the rights to this thing that he created, you know, cause it's in another medium. They're like, what really? They're like, can you, introduce-? you know, it's like boom, boom, boom. Life just kind of unfolds. And, you know, people will say, oh, it's, you know, it's who, you know, and then people will say like, oh, it's so unfair. And it's like, no, that's absolutely, that's just how life works. It's, it is who, you know, and, and it's not just in the film industry. It's in every industry. Like who, you know, is, is vitally important. If, if I meet someone off the street for the very first time and I don't know them from anybody, I have a lot of work to do to kind of try to assess what kind of person they are and get to know them. If you introduce me to them and you say, this guy's a really good guy, blah, 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 blah. And I have X experience with you. I am going on trust and a certain amount of faith just based on my experience with you that this person is probably going to be pretty legitimate. If you've done that several times over for me and introduced me to other people by the seventh time, I'm pretty sure if you've been consistent in your observation of them, you know, what ends up happening is you become in a sense, fast friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what people don't realize is that, you know, we, you can be as good as you want at something, but you do need to get out there in the world and connect. And you know, it's one of those phrases too. Like there's this really negative stigma. It's like, well, it's who, you know, and you know, I, I guess to a degree, you know, there's a lot of, (laughs) there's a lot of stuff that gets, you know, made in lots of different mediums, lots of like, that's not the greatest. And it's, you know, because they did know somebody, right? But yeah. you can't just lump it all in as if like, you know, oh yeah, it's, it's people who operate that way. It's all garbage, you know, well, based on just trying to know people. I said, yeah, I mean, that's, that's another extreme of it. You know, somebody who just is a socialite and knows how to get into circles and doesn't actually provide very good content. You know, their, their quality of what they do is not great, but it, it, it's so much more than that, you know, like saying like, Oh, it's who, you know, like, you know, it's like people it's always say over, oversimplification. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, you know, it's about relationships. Yes. It's about That's having a much like, better way to put it. Like it's, it's having a con it's a connected relationship with somebody that because th- that it's so important. It's so important to all of us. You know, we don't just, why is somebody just going to hand you you know, all the opportunity in the world sight on scene mm-hmm. on whatever it is that you've got, whatever script that you've made or, or what have you, they don't, they don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. They don't know what kind of person you're going to be like to work with. They don't like, you know, I'm, I'm sure it has happened. You know, a really great script somehow gets into somebody's hands sure. and sure, absolutely. But to count on that happening, yeah. And you see like playing the lottery, you know, like, and if you, if you just count on your, on your work speaking for itself, I mean, the other thing is, is, you know, people don't really read scripts anymore unless scripts are referred. And like now more than ever, I mean, you know, if someone sends me a script unsolicited, I, 
I, that's not the first thing I'm going to go to do, you know? And like, especially like, like, cause most of the stuff you're going to get, I mean, unsolicited stuff, usually people who send unsolicited stuff, first of all, usually they don't have very good scripts, not because, not because unsolicited means you don't have a good script, but you could have a really great script, but usually unsolicited submissions are not very good scripts because if you understand the business, you'll understand that it's about relationships and that it works through connection. So most like professional writers or most people that are kind of like a little more skillful realize that, Hey, if I'm going to get my script to you, let me get it kind of referred or let me get to know you first. Like if, if a friend of mine says, Hey, will you read my script? That's different. But someone I don't know just sends a script. You know, I, the first thing I immediately do if someone sends me a script that I don't know is I immediately send them back. I say, yeah, sure. I'll read it. Here's a release form. And usually that scares them off and then they don't want to do it. And that tells me immediately they're not a professional because if you're at the point where you're scared, your idea is going to get stolen or whatever. Like, I don't have time to write your idea. I am writing my own stuff. I, you know, I got enough stuff to write. Like if you're worried about that, like then we're we're not going to work together. You're going to be a headache. You know what I mean? But, and I'm not saying you should just submit to anybody and just like, like here, you know, I'll sign a release and whatever, because maybe some people are not so good. But if you don't even know if I'll steal your idea, then don't submit it to me. Like if you think I'm going to steal your idea, you know what I mean? Like build a relationship with me, find out about who I am, connect with me in some other medium, say hi to me on Facebook, you know, like, and so many of these people are so accessible, right? But we don't even do that. We're just like, yeah, you know, please read my script, you know, or whatever. It's like, anyway. <laughs> yeah. There's so and there's, and that speaks to so much stuff, you know, it speaks to like, Oh, like, I don't know if like, you know, a lot of self-worth stuff there. There's a lot of you know, like, and and a mentality of it's just like, Oh, like I've, you know, you've got to get, you've got, I've got to get somebody to do this. I've got to get somebody to do that. And, and, you know, we look at it in such a, in a very sort of cold way a lot of the times. And, and it's not even necessarily the, the case at all. And one of the things that really, you know, stuck out to me when we went to, uh, when you and I went to AFM, like, uh, some time ago mm-hmm. was, uh, there was a producer talk that, that happened there. I mean, they did like executive producers, like we saw a bunch of people speak, but the yeah. producers, you know, right. the, the, the people who, who, you know, find, you know, a great project and they put the people together and they're involved with, you know, a, like making the creative team right. that's going to make it work. And, you know, just, it it was so interesting to me because it did, it broke at that time, it broke a lot of what I thought happened at that level of the industry. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not at all what you think. Like, these are not people who are just like, yeah, I'm, I'm just so much better than you. And I'm sticking (laughs) my nose up at you and like, Oh, I've never heard of you. So you're not worth my time. (laughs) That's not the way that these people are at all. I mean, there might be some, there might be some, but there might be some, but I mean, on a general note, I think you're right. I, I, I think most people, and this is good that you're, 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 you're talking about this because most people, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's not what's going on for them. If they're not reading your work or, or making time for you, you know, it's something else, but anyway, go on. Yeah. I mean, it's like, they're a lot of these people are very, like these producers are extraordinarily passionate about what they're doing and they have to make some really tough calls. One of them was, I remember one of the producers was talking about, and, and he was a guy who did, you know, a bunch of stuff with Ryan Gosling Mm -hmm. 
you know, and, and he, even on those sets, like he's making these tough calls where he's just like, well, either we get this shot or, you know, nobody eats that day yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. And it's like, whoa, like it's, you know, it's not just this world of, of like just endless, endless money. And, and I don't know, just gratuitousness and, and yeah. what have you. But I mean, you know, these people are, are passionate about what they do and they want to make great things. They want to put good things out into the world and, you know, you connect with people on that level. Yeah. Like, cause isn't that what you want to do? Like it's, and I think, you know, it's, uh, there's, <clears throat> I mean, like, uh, there's no school really standardized school for producers. So like anybody can kind of walk around and call themselves a, a producer, a movie producer, whatever. I mean, so, you know, just think about that. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people out there who are going to try to benefit from what a producer gets. I mean, you got all these, um, and I don't, I, I, I don't mean this to insult anybody because I mean, I've been in this exact place myself. It's kind of the Hollywood hopeful, you know what I mean? Where I have a dream. I don't understand how to make my dream a reality, but I'm really willing to do just about anything so long as it doesn't compromise my integrity, but I'm willing to do what it'll take to make this thing happen. Just show me the way and I'll do it. You know what I mean? You have these people and they have an innocence to them. You know, they have a, a really wonderful innocence to them and they're really willing to work hard. And if they knew the way they would do it, but you have other people in the industry that realize, Hey, I could get people like, for example, a young woman to, you know, hang around with me if I'm a movie producer and I make her believe that I can launch her career or something. Yeah. Right? So, you know, we have an industry that unfortunately has people like that kind of get in there, pretend to be something that they're not, or even kind of go through the motion of making a film, right? But a crappy film usually. And just so they can kind of exploit this, you know, this innocence of people who have a dream. And so what ends up happening is unfortunately those people, I think give a really bad name to people who are legitimately trying to make a movie yeah. and, um, you know, who are, who are, who are good, genuine people that are really passionate about it. And so I think for those people who are artists, these talks are really important so that you can understand that, you know, you need to really validate, you know, these people that you're talking to and not from a place of like, you know, yeah. Also Hollywood hopefuls, some of them are trying to use the producers too. Like, and in fact, probably not a few, probably a lot. So it works on both ends of the spectrum mm-hmm. and both people poison the whole industry, Yeah, you know, and there's very genuine people out there who, you know, I, I was talking to one of my friends, um, a while back and, um, I thought, you know, very talented actor. And I remember him saying this kind of before he made it anywhere and just saying, I just really want to help people make great projects. And he had an innocence to him. And I remember there were certain scenarios. I remember one scenario in particular where he got kind of taken advantage of because of that. And it's, it's, it's sad in a way, but you know, and, and hopefully people don't become jaded from this, but you know, if there's people out there looking out for each other and saying like, this, this kid is having a great time. <laughs> there's, if there's, if there's kids, it, sorry, if there's people out there, there's kids and the podcast kids, there's people, there's there's just little people, big people, little people, big people. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I think if there's people out there, you connect with the right people, you start to have someone kind of, you know, looking out for you a little bit like a guardian angel kind of saying, yeah, like, you know, here's some stuff to think about. 
um, you can start to make better decisions. And I think that it also begins from within, because if you're willing to take advantage of people, I think that you'll probably end up around people that are willing to take advantage of you. So you kind of create your own world, you know? Um, if you're really genuinely trying to do a good thing, just, you know, like draw a line with your integrity. Like, what are you, you know, what are you willing to do and not willing to do? And be very clear about that and don't bend on that. And then, you know, if, like, for example, I remember this one time, I'm going off a little here, but I remember this one time where I went into an audition. This was for an independent film. They had me audition and then they liked what I did and they brought me in with the producer, whatever. They brought me behind the table and they said, why don't you just stay here? We're going to bring a few of the girls in. And I listened to them talk to the girls and this one girl, and I, I, this bothers me so much, Evan. It bothers me so much that like my skin crawls when I hear this, but they brought this one girl in and she was, I don't know, Brazilian or something. Uh, very, very beautiful, but it was like kind of her second language. And you could see that she was very much there trying to do the best she could, you know, very like hopeful for what was to come. And they were like, yeah, um, you know, so there's a nude scene with you, you know, whatever. And they were telling her that, so you're going to have to walk around on set naked and blah, 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 blah. And, And I was sitting there thinking like, like I was still pretty new, but I remember thinking, no, that's not right. She would have a robe, wouldn't she? Like I was still new. I didn't really know. Yeah. But I was like, I was like, I, you know, and I, and I heard them say this and you know, what bothers me even more is that I never said anything to them. But, but basically I was like, you know, I, I, at the time I never really knew how to, how to write the situation. I, you know, you look back at those times in your life and you say, I'll never do that again. I'll never like not stand up for something that is, is yeah. not right. And, um, I, I don't know what happened with that particular project. I'm sure, you know, I never heard of it after, but I decided, no, I'm not going to do this project. You know what I mean? But like at the time I felt powerless. I just felt like an actor who couldn't really do anything about it. And I think like, that's where someone needs to stand up and say, Hey, no, that's not right. That's not okay. You know what I mean? But I mean, if no one's looking out for anybody, I mean, this is how these things exist, right? Yeah. And unfortunately it hurts everybody. Yeah. And it's, and the thing is like, I don't think that that's, you know, the majority of what happens It's just like, those are the stories that you hear about, Yeah. you know, just because they are so, yeah, they are, they are so, you know, kind of dramatic. They are very, yeah, they do. They make your skin crawl. And Mm -hmm. so it gets passed from one person to the next, to the next, to the next. And yeah, you know, it was interesting. I was, I was thinking, hey, you got a soundtrack. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Is this going to like cause like some copyright issues? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. It's got a nice summary sort of vibe to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, I was, um, and so I went up for a, I went up for a walk last night. Uh, I was thinking about like, you know, I was thinking about integrity and what, like what is integrity and you know one and I'm sure there's a lot of different definitions that you could make for it but I thought it's like you know when you compromise you sort of yeah it was more when you compromise your integrity right and or you're not within your integrity and it's to me it's like when you when you refuse to accept what you know is true Hmm. I feel like that is kind of in that ballpark. It's like, you know, and it's pretty easy to look back on those moments. Like when you think of like, you compromise your integrity and it's just like, Oh yeah, you know what? I knew this was happening and I 
I knew that was going on. I want to pretend like it wasn't happening. You know, I want to like not believe it. Yeah. And, and I then, mean, you know, you're usually I find when a scenario like that happens, especially when it's the first time in your life, it's, you're so, um, you're so struck by it that you almost are in inaction, you know, like, um, you know, not really a mentor of mine, but someone who's kind of, you know, uh, a powerful person that's been in my life. It, it pointed out about this story where he saw this guy, basically it was in New York or something, steal a purse from a woman and then run off. And he could have kind of like tripped them or stopped them or something. And he thought about that for years. And he said, I wish I did something. I wish I stopped this person, but I didn't. And he said that it actually happened. A similar scenario happened again. And he, he did, he like, uh, tripped the guy or grabbed him or something like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously it's a risk, it's a danger to do something like this, but you know, I think you have that experience and then that's, that's why you go and you, you, you go and you stand up for something like, for example, you know, when I was in high school, I was bullied a lot, you know, and if someone was picking on me, you know, there's usually lots of people in the crowd, but no one ever stood up for me. Mm-hmm. I think I shared that story with you about being on the street and I saw those two guys fighting who I thought yeah. were fighting, but it was actually a shoplifting experience. And I went and I grabbed it and I stopped them because I think what happened for me is I saw one guy that seemed like he was kind of smaller, kind of getting taken advantage of. And to me, I think part of the reason why I stood up was because I empathized with him and thought, you know, no one ever stood up for me, but now like, Mm -hmm. you know, now I'm strong, capable man, you know, like I can, and I looked and I assessed the situation and thought I could do something about it. And I, you know, I think about that as like, why did I, why did I stop? But I think what happened for me is you know, cause I remember a time with a friend of mine where I might've shared this story before as well, but we were in school and, um, one of the bullies kind of picked on him and I never did anything about it. And that always bothered me. And, uh, you know, and I'm not saying that I'm going to, you know, if someone's having a knife fight or something, I'm going to jump <laughs> in. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> stupid, but you know, it, and it was probably risky for me to even consider doing it in this case, but for whatever reason, you know, these moments, they kind of change, you know, like, I mean, I didn't have to jump in. I didn't have to be the hero either. I could have rallied other people. There's many options I could have said. I said, I could have talked to the other people in the crowd and said, Hey, like what's going on here. I don't think this is right. You know, like, you know, and just kind of enrolled people in the idea and maybe got enough people to stand up with me. I mean, who knows? But the thing is, is like, usually the first time it happens, at least in my experience, and it seems to be with other people that you're kind of struck by it. You, you almost, you're like, is this happening? Like, this is really happening right now. And like, mm-hmm. and you almost don't know what to do because you've never really prepared for a moment like this, yeah. you know? And I think like when you hear about these Hollywood horror stories, like you don't expect them to ever happen to you. Like you're like, yeah, that happened to someone else. You know, that was like, you know, and then when you're there and you're like actually kind of innocent and I'm, this is probably a fraction of probably people have way more horrific stories than me, but, um, you know, but you're in there and you're like, this isn't right. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I could make all sorts of excuses about how I didn't know when I was a kid and whatever, but none of that really matters. Ultimately, I know what I experienced and I knew that in my opinion, and I still believe to this day was not right. And, you know, and, uh, and, and I think, well, if I was ever in that scenario again, um, I would say, I would just, I would just say to the actress, like, no, that's not true. You know, I would, I would just stand up. I'd be like, and I would stand up to the producers. Cause I don't really, it's like, at that it's like, point you're just like, do you want to, I don't, I don't care. It yeah. doesn't matter to me anymore. And, know, I mean, so. it's, it, and again, that's one of those situations too. It's like, you know, when you're 
when you're a young, you know, you're a young actor or you're somebody who's, yeah, like a hopeful, you're trying to break into an industry, you know, you don't want to offend anybody. You don't want to offend anybody. You don't want to say, but you know, it's, it's just, it's just not worth it. It's just not, it's just not worth it. <laughs> it is it's not worth, worth it, no. compromising yourself in that way. It's not, it's not, it's, it's never okay no. to let something that you know isn't right, you know, to, to go on, especially when you, when you're in the position where you can do something about it, where yeah. you can say something. And I mean, you don't have to, you know, as I think about it further too, I go, well, you don't even have to make a scene about it. You could, you know, when she left, I could have said to the producers, I could have said, you know, Hey, um, you know, by the way, you know, I, I this is what I heard, you know, when you communicated this, you know, and, and they and might, maybe have, that's not what you meant, but yeah, but I'm like, this is what I heard. And, uh, you know, personally, like it kind of was uncomfortable and, and awkward for me because maybe they didn't mean it. Maybe I, I don't think so, but maybe they didn't mean it. And that would have at least given them the chance. And it would have, it would have at least, I think, you know, cause sometimes, you know, like I remember one time uh, I was in this golf tournament, you know, I was bullied a bit as a kid, you know, there's moments where this happened, but I remember I was in a golf tournament and, uh, we went to, um, the Titleist factory or something like that. One of those factories where they show you how they make the clubs. It was really cool. Yeah. And there was this one kid, um, who was kind of a bigger kid than all of us. And I don't know, I think he knew my, my parents or something, but he was like kind of picking on me. He was picking on me more and more throughout the tournament. And, uh, you know, him and a couple of other kids were kind of, you know, after we got out of the little golf thing, they were kind of giving me a hard time. And I remember one of the other guys, um, he came up and he said, he said something like, he's like, Hey, he's just like, he went, he looked at the big kid and he's just, Hey, stop being a jerk. You know, you don't want to be like that. And just said it to him and the guy, and they all stopped. And it was like powerful for me. It was like one of those moments where I was like, this kid was like, not that much bigger than me. Not, not bigger than this guy, but he stood up to them and he just said, that's like, enough. Don't be an idiot. You know, yeah. like basically, and they stopped. And you know what I thought he, but he was just so sure he was so certain it was wrong. He, he didn't excuse himself. He didn't do it in a, he did it with absolute confidence. Yeah. And then, you know what? The, the bullies responded and there was no violence. There was nothing that happened. Just one person came up and said, no, that's like, you know, stop. You're, you're like, do you want to be like that? I think he even asked them a question. He was like, He's like, do you want to be like that? And they were all kind of like, they didn't even know what to do. You know what I mean? But he shined a light on their shoddy behavior. And that was a, that was a big moment for me because I also realized, you know, I, when I was younger, I used to think, oh, well, you got to stop this stuff with like physical force. Yeah. And, you know, I think I still rely on that sometimes, but obviously in the street scenario, I could have said something. I didn't have to go in and grab the guys, but I did. Yeah. But anyway, this guy just came up a few feet away and said, and, and said something. And that was enough to stop and, you know, diffuse the whole situation. So I think sometimes we don't realize how much power we have, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you just like, yeah, sometimes it's just one of those situations. You shine a light on something yeah. and it just, it just evaporates, you know, totally. like it just loses and, you know, all of its power. For me as the kid that was being bullied, I mean, this guy was kind of a hero, you know, was yeah. like, really truthfully, like he, he, you know, um, it's funny, you know, you're, when you're a kid, you don't, it's, I don't know, like there's certain things like I wish I remembered who his name was. Cause I would find him, you know, I could, maybe I could track it down. I don't know, but I would find him and I, I could just say, Hey, like, you know, by the way, you probably don't even remember this, but there's this moment when we were at the golf tournament. I don't know if you remember, but you stood up and you said this, that was like 
really powerful for me. And here's why, I mean, that would probably be really important for him to hear, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, you know, who knows, maybe you'll listen to this podcast and be like, Hey, Brandon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, but it was, it was in a powerful moment for me and it's, it's shaped a lot of my life. And I think it's shaped a lot of like, you know, this talk like integrity and, and, and that, right. Yeah. It's sometimes yeah. just these, these little moments that like you have no idea the kind of impact that can have on somebody. Yeah. It's really extraordinary. It's really extraordinary. Yeah. So we kind of went into, uh, I know like, I'm like, we're, we've been going in, all over the place. Uh, we kind of went into this whole thing about standing up. And... Oh, my bad. <laughs> my bad. It's always that one. Um, oh, it's always, it's yeah. It's always the computer. We forget to turn. I know we should, we should, you'd think we'd have learned our lesson a by now. You know what yeah. I mean? Someone's like, Oh, my phone, you know, <laughs> That's, that's the thing about this, everyone. It's, it's unedited. We just, unedited, you know, we don't uncut. We don't try and pretend to be perfect. Nope. No. We are not. Mistakes happen. Maybe you like it. Maybe you don't, whatever. At least it's real. At least you know that we're not trying to sculpt this in some way to make you like, be like, oh yeah, we never make mistakes. You know, things never go wrong. But life, life is like that. I mean, I think, um, you kind of, when this stuff happens, you know, at least on the podcast, you get this experience of a little bit behind the scenes, you know, it's not just presentation. I, you know, I like that about this podcast too, uh, you know, is that, um, it isn't just presentation. I mean, we try to do our best to, to put a, a great, good foot forward, you know? Yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. We want to, we want to give everybody a, like a good show of yeah, sorts, you exactly. know, like, even, even though we're just kind of talking about like different <laughs> ideas and concepts here, but I don't want it to go off. That's not what I prefer, <laughs> but you know, shit happens and you deal with it. Yep. Um, so anyway, so we started this with a little bit kind of the education model and then we got into a little bit about like making a stand and, you know, knowing what's right for you. Yeah. I mean, maybe to go back a little bit about like education. I mean, maybe that's something we actually haven't talked a whole lot about on here is you and I are both teachers. Like we refer to the fact that we both teach quite a bit, <laughs> but teaching itself, you know, about the value of teaching. I mean, we rip on, you know, some of the education system a little bit, <laughs> a little bit, um, you know, and, and as we've, you know, maybe discovered there's some, there's some things that are changing, um, within education. And, you know, one of, like I, I recently, um, I, I, I recently posted a, a blog, <laughs> uh, that was something that I, I did. I got quite, I was quite fired up about it when I, <laughs> yeah, I read it when I wrote it and a powerful message. Thank you. Um, and it's already been getting some response. It's been quite, quite interesting. Um, but I was basically like the, the article was titled, um, you are taught acting backwards, probably. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, and, and I've been realizing that, and and it's really interesting to, to realize this is to actually start to come to terms in a way. Like there was almost a part of me that, that felt like, oh, like too, too self-righteous to, to be claiming to be doing this, but to feel like, no, I'm actually, I'm very much engaged in, in changing how 
the sort of the acting paradigm is taught, like mm-hmm. the, how training actors is done. Um, and that was basically what the whole thing was about. And like me explaining essentially where I see the problem and trying to illustrate that as best as possible. And, yeah. and um, you know, it's, it's a really exciting thing to do, but it's also, it, it is a little bit nerve wracking because you don't know what, what people are going, going to think about yeah. what it is. And, and then there's, you, you know, it's like, oh, well, you shouldn't care what people think. You know, you don't, I don't want to care what, what people think, but it's, it's all about being in, in your integrity and, and I think it transcends what people think because, you know, it really doesn't matter if people agree with you or not. I mean, at the end of the day, you know what you're saying to be accurate. And, uh, you know, like for a while, people used to think the world was flat. And then some people came around and started saying, Hey, by the way, it's not, you know, um, we actually think it's round, you know, that we're on it, whatever. Right. And the thing is, is the initial people heard that and they were like, no, it's flat. Everyone knows it's flat and you're an idiot. And who do you think you are to be this young guy coming around telling everybody what to do, you know, or telling everybody how this works. And the thing is, is, you know, in truth, if you look through history, it's usually a young person that had the, the, the willingness to challenge the status quo and say, no, you know what? I, I think it's actually this way. And, and you know, if people will get off their high horse long enough to try it on, they'll see, you know, um, for example, you know, uh, and, 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 you know, I've been running my business a little bit longer than you. And I'll tell you some of the experiences I had or one in particular, because I feel this relates. But when I was helping people make their films, I helped people make, you know, the first 13 or 14 films. And I was on to making another, I think it was another 20 or 30 films we were making. And someone in the industry, uh, apparently someone like had two decades on me or something like that was like, I should be teaching people how to do this. And they said that to one of my clients, one of my clients said to them, yeah, but he is, and he's doing it and we're making films. And I thought, holy shit, you like, you stood up that way. And I thought that is amazing. And the thing was, is that there's, there was a way in which it was being done. And then I said, I don't like the way that it's being done. In fact, I'm looking at it and I'm going, people talk a lot and they get caught up in all this and they lose their power because the status quo is this, but, but what, what young filmmakers don't realize is that their brilliance, all they need is to be paired up with the right people. They don't have to know everything. They don't have to spend 80 grand on some film school to start making a film. What they need to do is they need to have their vision and get other people involved who are experts to surround them. And that's basically how I modeled the business. And what I realized was like film school says, no, you need to learn film first. Then you can, then you can hire people. And I said, no, you don't. You need to have a vision and, and, and people will be attracted to your vision. You will learn through experts who are doing it. You don't need to learn through some film school. And in fact, most film school students, their education, in my opinion, and I found this as an actor, sometimes your education is actually the very thing that's in your way. Yeah. Right. In a way, filmmakers who start from a place of, you know, like I think of those young filmmakers who come out of nowhere and you're like, wow, this person's so good. A lot of the time they either had kind of like uh, great mentorship, great parenting, great something, something that gave them the kind of the balls or the intestinal fortitude to go out there and just do it. Right. Yeah. And, uh, 
you know, um, or they were in the industry and people who are in the industry kind of said, you know, here, work with these people. You know what I mean? They surrounded themselves with great people from the bat. They didn't need to necessarily go to film school because yeah. they learned through actually doing it with pros. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And I mean, it's not to say that there, there haven't been great filmmakers who've come out of film school. No. Um, there have been, but they would, you know, they, they would have made they, it anyway. They would have made it anyway. They yeah. would have, you're like, <laughs> they would have made it despite, but you know, you hear so many stories yeah. about like, you know, f- film, you know, film school dropouts, mm-hmm. you know, who go on to do, uh, incredible things or who didn't even go to it. Like Quentin Tarantino's one of those guys. Yeah. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson, who's one of, one of my favorite directors. He was a dropout from yeah. film school went out and then he did Kevin Smith was a dropout. Yeah. He was a dropout. You know, it's, and it's, you know, I feel like a lot of those, those people as well, like they're, it's like suddenly, and I think they, it's like a, they had a certain kind of a wisdom, you know, at the time, you know, of like for their, where they were at for their age, like, and they are people who always had probably like a big, big vision or just vision. Mm-hmm. Why don't you say big vision? Because like, I don't know, like you have vision or, or you don't mm-hmm. with something, you know, it's like, whether it's big or small, I don't know if there's really such thing. I, right. Well, I, I, because I kind of disagree. I do think there's bigger vision, but, but well, I mean, it's like, it's so, it's one of those things that I think is so hard. Like, like, well, how do you determine something is, is of a bigger vision than another one? Like there's certainly, there's, there's limitations that you put on something, but somebody could make like a little like indie drama with two characters in it. And it, it could be completely visionary. Like it has like no special effects it has, but it has something that is so extraordinary or visionary could be an absolute massive James Cameron, you know, you know what does, do I, does that, I see what you're saying. You're, you're talking about, I mean, there's not just aesthetically, it's it's not about like what you're talking about is vision in the sense that there's different, like no vision is better than another vision in the sense that if someone thinks making a really profound, emotionally connected story is, is like in finding a way to do that to impact people. Whereas someone's going, I want to have all these visual effects and whatever, both those visuals might be equally, you know, there's no one, not one's bigger, but I think where vision becomes bigger is when people think beyond their immediate circumstances and yeah. the, to degree that you're willing to think beyond your immediate circumstances, how big your vision is not, not necessarily like different people have different values. I think what you're talking about is visions that have different values, not one that's necessarily bigger. Like when I think of a really big vision, I think of someone who wants to make an impact, not in their lifetime, but someone who wants to make an impact like 10 times past their lifetime. Mm. Like that's big vision to me. Whereas like most people think too small because all they think about is their lifetime, but like a real visionary, like not a real visionary, but a big dreaming visionary thinks what will be the impact like centuries beyond my existence? Like what will, you know, millennia beyond my existence? I mean, think about Plato, right? Everything we know about story structure today in so many ways is based on what Plato created. Yeah. It's his impact is profound right? And that's the thing is I think that we think too small because we think, Oh, I, you know, I I was working with someone the other day and sorry, I mean, I'm going off, but I said, what would be your dream amount of money to make? And they said a hundred thousand dollars. And they said, no, $145,000. And I said, 
that's it. That's all. You know what I mean? Like, and, and to a lot of people, that's a lot of money, right? But we're so scared to think, why not a hundred million? Why not a billion? Why don't, why, you know, like, why do you like, and cause the problem is, is from this person's perspective, yeah. I know exactly what's going on. Cause I've been there before. They're basing that on their current circumstances. The only reality they could see is based on who I am now and what my life looks like now. And I, what it's looked like leading up to, exactly. to this point. Yeah. I could only see myself making this much. And even that's a bit of a stretch, but what you don't realize is that if you are in another place in your life, you're going to be looking more expansively. So you might as well kind of imagine that your life is not from the place it's in. It's from the next place you get to, will give you a wider perspective, you know? Yeah. But vision is being able to see that you'll grow in the process, that you won't be the same as you are today. Mm -hmm. Right. And even when you die, the things you leave behind will have an impact. And it's about seeing that impact it has on the world. Yeah, certainly. Though there's a certain degree to which I go, it's like, did did a lot of these, you know, people know that that was going to, that that was going to have that level of impact. You know, it's, it's, well, it's not hard, necessarily, not necessarily. It's hard to say, but I think it's still, it, you know, I think it comes down to, you know, being in line with, with your truth, being in line with what, what you're passionate about and what you want to give to the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, the vision is, as truthfully communicating that or putting that into the world as, you know, as truthfully as possible, yeah. whatever that vision is. And from there, it could, it could have an extraordinary impact, right? Well, or it might not, who knows, right? And I think that I, you know, I went off and I got you a little off point because you're talking about your approach to acting. And, and I think, you know, you might not be thinking about the effects that this will have by helping people see that they're learning acting backwards. But these effects, if, if what you achieve in your life is, is if you get a new acting school of thought, you know, and it's not to say that there's some people out there already that are thinking this way, but if you can, if you can create enough momentum where the world starts to talk about acting in the, and people are learning it in a way that isn't backwards, but they're learning it in a way that's actually, you know, from within and not from some type of plan, um, that will have a profound effect on entertainment and, and this medium for the, for, for centuries, probably beyond millennia, beyond what you do. Right. So you might not be thinking about your vision, but I think what ends up happening is if you can tap into like, you realize like in that morning when you don't want to get up in the morning and you realize that if I achieve this, that it's going to change the world in a certain way, you start to realize the impact it will have on people's lives. You start to have empathy for the people you will get out of bed so quickly. It'll be like, there's a a fire under your butt. You know what I mean? And this is the thing. I think vision, what it does is it, you know, we talked about this earlier, but it gives you that endless motivation. It gives Mm -hmm. you that, like, I, you know, I don't even want to go to sleep. I'm just so excited to like do this thing. You know what I mean? But anyway, I I got you off point. You were talking about how we're learning acting backwards. And this was a powerful article and you had a hard, hard drive at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did. It did. I did get a little bit bit hard on it at the end, you know, like I, yeah, it was a fairly driving (laughs) article, but it's something I'm really passionate about because, you know, I, I spent a lot of years, a lot of years not knowing if, if, if acting was something I even loved, you know, it was it after it was something that like, you know, I went into it being like, I love doing this. Mm -hmm. I love doing this thing. 
And then somewhere through training and, and my experiences and, you know, I, and this isn't to, to blame anyone for anything. Like everyone was doing, you know, yeah, what they doing thought, the best they everyone could. was doing the best they could was doing what they thought was the right thing to do. Um, it just didn't work for me. And, uh, and in a lot of ways I am, I am thankful for that experience because it did, it set, it sent me on a journey where I was like, you know what? I don't, you know, I, and whether I was consciously aware of it or not, you know, I think looking back, I can see that in, in many ways I, I was on a very deliberate journey with, with the craft of acting, right. where I was just like, you know what, all of this stuff that I learned, I don't, I don't understand how this makes me a better actor. You know, I don't like, this is so I like this, this works. It doesn't work. It works. Doesn't work. Like, and I'm just left feeling so shitty about it so much of the time. And it, I, I was on a journey to discover what this thing was, what it really was, because I did, I always felt like there was, I I would find it. There was something that I would find. And then Meisner work was where, where I found it, um, a level of working. And that's not to say that, you know, like, yeah, I did Meisner. Now I'm, I'm like the most brilliant actor you've ever seen in your (laughs) life, but it showed me something. Yeah. And it gave me the experience of something that I was just like, yeah, this is, this is what this is supposed to be about. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not this technical, you know, intellectual academic thing. Like this isn't, this isn't art form. This is, this is shape shifting. This is being another human being or having the experience of, of, of seeing through somebody else's eyes. And there's, there's a different way of doing it. And, and, this article, I said, it's backwards, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, we've been taught this whole thing the wrong way around. And, um, you know, whether you're an actor or not, but yeah, it was, I, I did, I got really fired up about it. And, um, just because it's something that, that I want to change because I, I still see so, so much of it. Uh, a friend of mine, um, who's, who's an actor. I I saw they, they put a post on Facebook just being like, you know, in that, in a really disillusioned state about their acting. And it was, and I was like, Oh, like, you know, and I, and I sympathize, I empathize because I'm like, you know, I've, I've been there, you know, I've been in that place where you just, you, you, you don't feel you feel like you don't know what you're doing and why you're doing it. And, and, you know, you've put so much, you've put so much onto the industry as well, you know, for the industry to, to be the thing that, that motivates you or validates and validates you. And it's just like, Oh, I mean, if you're an actor right now and you're listening, it's like, if you're looking for the industry to, to motivate and validate you, it's not going to do that. It's like an abusive relationship. <laughs> it is. It's good when it's good and it's bad when it's bad, but it's not consistent. No, and it's probably more bad than it is good. And if you're in it longer, it gets worse. <laughs> yeah. You know, that way. Um, but the thing is, is if you come at it from a place of not, you know, if you come at it from a different place, 
in from a place of integrity, it's always good because it doesn't matter because it doesn't matter what it gives you or doesn't give you. You don't need it. You know, like I think of Chekhov and uh, I think, you know, he was uh, not able to not able to act in Russia. So he had to move over to he had to move over to America or he had to move over to England or I don't know where it was, but he had to learn oh. to learn a new language. You know what I mean? Just to act. Yeah. And like, I think like, you know, the thing he, he well, Michael Chekhov has his book or whatever. You can read his autobiography or his biography in there or whatever. Um, but basically he was just so determined to act that it didn't really matter. It was like, Oh, okay. I got to learn a new, a new language. If I want to act, okay, fine. I'll learn a new language. It was not like, and I, I remember that profoundly impacted me because I thought, yeah, he's just figuring out what he needs to do to do what he loves, you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't know his emotional experience and how he felt about all that stuff. But the thing is, is yeah, like, uh, you know, I think about the people who were, you know, writers and filmmakers and actors, um, during the time of when, you know, American politics was basically making everyone who was a communist wrong. Yeah. And all those people got blacklisted and weren't able to be in the film industry anymore. If their lives were dependent on the film industry and what the film industry gave them, I mean, that was probably hell. But if you did it, and I don't know how many people there were, but if you did it because you really loved it and it didn't matter, you know, whether the industry did it for you or not, then, you know, that was, obviously in certain ways, an unfortunate circumstance, but it didn't mm-hmm. ruin you as a person. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, for me, I think so much of, of teaching, you know, it's like, I'm, I, I realize that in teaching, it's like, I, I feel like the important thing to do is, is not like the information. Like you can just, you can learn the information anywhere, mm-hmm. you know, especially with, with, you know, something like, like acting, you know, like where it's just like, you you can, you can learn technique from it. Like you don't necessarily need a teacher to teach you a lot of technique. You can open up, you know, one of the, you know, really great book, you know, I guess again, in, in my article, I said like, I'm not disagreeing with like the fact that these techniques exist. They have, they have a, a place. They absolutely do. And, you know, go and pick up one of the, one of the good books, you know, and, <laughs> you know, flip through it and you can pretty much learn it that way. But as a teacher, I feel, I feel more motivated in, in shifting people's perceptions. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, the most incredible gift that a teacher or a mentor can give to their student or, or mentee, Yeah, you know, or their apprentice or I don't know. Yeah, I, <laughs> I always, I always think of a protege yeah, or a protege. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's to me, it's like the, it's the shifts in perception that have the most, the most impact, mm-hmm. you know, that, that make you question and look at things at a, at a far deeper level. Cause things that go beyond the information, you know what I mean? Like I, I can think of great teachers that I've had, like even, even in high school, I remember I had this one, this one teacher who for a whole semester, you know, if you signed up for this one class, you had a whole semester with just this one teacher and they did, they did your English and the, at least the one that I did, uh, it was like English history, um, career and personal planning. And I think there was, I can't remember what else was in there, but, (laughs) but you know, one of, one of my favorite favorite teachers, life-changing sort of person to, to have had in my life. And 
the information, all of the stuff that, you know, yeah, I'm sure I learned some skills, some technical skills about English and learned some history and, (laughs) but the thing is a lot of that's gone. You know, a lot of that, that history, like remembering dates and stuff like that, that's totally, totally disappeared. Yeah. But there were certain things that he did that just made me go, huh? Like just challenging like one of the big things that I learned from him was, was to challenge the things that you're told. Right. And no one had ever said that to me in, in all right, this, this is in the 11th grade by this point that I had a teacher who is, you know, finally starting to say this kind of stuff to me. It had a really deep impact on me. And even some of the other things that, uh, I remember he did this exercise with us, um, as we started doing like uh, learning about world war two, and we came in from like our lunch break, came back into the class and just had like, it was like candidate one, candidate two, candidate three. And just like, basically like a resume, uh, of these people. Right. And it was like, this is, uh, you know, where they went to, they went to school. This is the kind of grades they went. This is the kind of, uh, jobs and occupations that they had. Yeah. And, you know, whatever. So we had to, the class had to vote for one of these candidates based on their credentials. Um, it's like, who, who would you, if you had to pick one of these three people as like your leader, who would you pick? And almost unanimously, we all picked this one person who had, you know, they, they'd gone to college, they had, uh, exceptional grades and, um, you know, had an outstanding military service and, blah, 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 blah. So the names are, he reveals the names of all of these candidates because these are all actual real people with real credentials. (laughs) We all voted for Hitler. Holy crap. Yeah. We all voted for Hitler and the others were, um, uh, Winston Churchill and, um, Abraham Lincoln. No, no, no. It wasn't Abraham Lincoln. It was at the same time, uh, the U S president, um, uh, that was, um, was that, uh, Roosevelt Roosevelt. It was Roosevelt. And it's just like, what? Like totally, totally just rocked me. I remember that just totally rocking me because it, it made you go into, he made us go into an an uncomfortable place, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and make us question our own sense of what was right and what was wrong. And I think that's the most incredible thing that you can do as a teacher. Totally. That's profound. Like it's, it's about shifting people's perceptions. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's nothing to me like that, that seeing that in someone's face when like you, you say something, something lands deep within them. (laughs) And it's just like, like you just see like firework fireworks, just like completely going off and like their heads, like, looks like it's just going to like pop right off. Yeah. You know? And it's just like, it's, it's about making people see things a little bit differently in a, in a way that's a little bit more truthful in a way that for whatever reason, we don't, we can't even necessarily intellectually explain it. But when somebody says something to you that shifts you in a way that it feels like you already knew it, like, it's like, I already knew that somehow, but holy crap. Yeah. You know, it is profound. I can, I can, uh, I was just thinking about this one we did, we did this in the movie maker class. And I say we did it cause I, I didn't necessarily do this with every single 
every single class. But it was really powerful of his one class, and uh, I'll just run you through it. So it's a list of 10 things. We don't have to go through all 10. But we go, what makes a, what, what's value? Like, what is value? And we're talking about value and, and basically how that relates to, like, being capable of making a film and getting stuff done. And we talked about, like, okay, well, you know, money. You know, the money you have is value. The skills you have, the talents you have, the recognition you have. You know, you can start listing stuff off, right? Um, the project you created, the, the, the person you're with, blah, 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 blah. And then at the end, when you finally get to the end, we go, who created all of that? You did. So what's really the most valuable thing? You realize that you in yourself are the most valuable thing because all of these things are a product of you. And it really, we base our life on all these extensions of ourselves, And we try to validate ourselves based on these extensions. And well, I created this, so I'm this valuable. But no, you are infinitely valuable. Whether you create this stuff or don't create this stuff is irrelevant. All this stuff is really just an extension of you and how far do you want to extend yourself? The value is already there. This just demonstrates it. And basically yes. like everyone goes yes. through this. And then if an artist could realize that, that they in and of themselves are valuable, it's a really, really hard lesson to learn. And even the way I described it was so quick. But if you really realize that the value begins within, you start to, you know, you can shift the whole di- paradigm of it, right? And I like what you, you know, what you, the article, because it really does. Like, I mean, and I think you'll get into it more as you do more blogs, but like you're really talking about shifting the paradigm because right now, I mean, people, you know, uh, people validate their worth based on success, external and whatever. And I think that, you know, I can say pretty much unanimously of the people who are the most successful is that they, <clears throat> they might validate themselves from their external but there's a consistent idea that they're valuable and and it's them walking around with it. You know, uh, in one of the uh, personal growth programs I did, they talk about how for a man working out, um, you, you become more confident because you're working out. And so you, you, you know, you feel more attractive and, and you behave a certain way, but what's attracting people is not your fitness and not your muscles and all that stuff. It's the way you're behaving. So you could actually literally bypass the whole idea of working out and actually just behave that way. And we just blame working out for being able to work that way. But what's interesting is you'll see people who aren't fit, physically fit, don't have any success, barely have any money. Like they really have a lot, not a lot to offer yet. They're the most attractive people in a way. Right. And it's like, it just further proves the point that we do everything. We do so much backwards. Our education system has been teaching us backwards, like in acting in film, in business and everything. It teaches us backwards. And so we are literally slaves to these things, right? Like for an actor, and I, I know this, yeah. if I'm, if I think that my, uh, objective makes me a good actor, I'm a slave to my objective. My objective came from me. You know, even if I say it came from the story, the way in which I do the objective, the way in which I, you know, I behave in context to the story is totally unique and original. If I, you know, uh, the worst acting quote I ever read online, I mean, you shouldn't go online to learn about acting, but, <laughs> but I read it and I'm like, that sounds like the worst thing I've ever heard. And then I thought about it more and I was like, yeah, it is the worst thing I've ever heard, which is basically, it said, the, the person was saying, look at great actors and steal from them. And I thought, this doesn't make any sense at all. Because when they did that, they did that from them, right? Like, if I copy them and try to do what they did, thinking that, you know, it will, it will end up being something, 
I mean, it's basically just a, a manufactured carbon copy, right? Yeah. Like, you know, so if anything, if you find yourself copying anybody, you're, you're totally backwards. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that's like, and, and perhaps like they didn't necessarily mean, mean to like just steal, steal, (laughs) you know, like hopefully, (laughs) you know, like maybe, you know, to give the benefit of the doubt to whoever posted this, like, because there is value to watching actors and, and seeing some of the stuff that they do like, but yeah, you don't try and do it. It's like, Oh, well, this is what, you know, this is what they do. So I'm just going to just, you know, shoehorn that into my performance. And like, that's like, no, like again, backwards, completely yeah. backwards. You know, like the, if like, that's not to say I haven't learned, like I learned from Daniel day Lewis watching him and there will be blood, but that was just, uh, that was a more, that wasn't like, Oh yeah, this has a really great effect. If you do this, it was, it was, um, from Daniel day Lewis, I learned, take your time. Okay. Take your time. Like, well, that's a principle. Yeah, no, that's a principle, right? It's not, and that a, was, it's not like a, you're not copying like a trick. You're just, you're just going and you're, and you're looking at it and you're, I don't know. I mean, in some ways you could say, well, maybe that's, that's a, a, a add on and external, but, but you saw, you saw that in taking your time, there's an impact. The, the, what I think what matters is how you filter it through your process. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you go, you know, it'd be really great if I took a moment here, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, we, like, to- like- <laughs> we totally do that. Now it's so funny though. It's like, we'll, we'll do that. We'll be going, you know, you, you go through a script and it's just like, and at this moment, like, I don't do that anymore, but <laughs> I know I've definitely done that where it's just like, Oh, and right here, I'm just going to like, I'm just going to like, take a pause. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, ah, oh. cause it's like, it's not, you've just contrived. It's so contrived now, like, yeah. because you just planned it. Yeah. <laughs> like you just completely planned how you're going to respond in a moment to somebody. It's like, you had no idea what they were going to do. The only time I think but, that would work is if you're playing like the role of a sociopath, because like sociopaths apparently sometimes plan how they're going to go into a conversation to manipulate someone. So <laughs> that's hilarious. Now that you mention that, because it's like, it is because they don't oh understand my God. the empathy. Right? How, so they need to, they need to kind of like pretend empathy. It's like, we're teaching actors to how be to be soci- sociopaths. Essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and like, how good can you be a sociopath? I mean, ironically, but the, here's, I think where, where acting gets busted, like actors, cause you're told to actually legitimately feel. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, you're taught how to be a sociopath and a sociopath. It's not, they don't feel it's that they, they don't have empathy. So you're taught to have empathy. You're taught to have, you know, have really true impactful emotions, but at the same time, a sociopath, um, a lot of time feigns those because they don't know what it's like to be in another person's yeah. shoes. They, they only know about how to self benefit. So yeah. And I think that there's a lot of acting that's done kind of and it sounds crazy, but it's kind of done sociopathically. It's done from a planning place of this is how I'm going to manipulate the emotional experience of this other character, this other actor, this audience. And that's, that's all, um, it's all undermining empathy. But like, I think what you're talking about is that if you have empathy, if you have true connection to yourself, that whatever that looks like, but I, you know, I've experienced as an actor when it's something that's really true and I'm not planning on it and it's kind of happening. Usually people in the audience are having a, quite a response from it. Oh yeah. I don't know what it's going to be. Cause I didn't know what was going to happen when it happened, but 
Well, I mean, it's and, and it's so funny because even I had a lot of you know teachers who, even though I I, I felt that they were, you know, now at this point I'd say yeah they were teaching it backwards. <laughs> Um, you know, they would say, it's like, oh, those unexpected moments are like, those are, those are gold. Like they, like they would even say that. And it's like, well, then it sh- shouldn't we make it so everything's an unexpected moment? Like yeah. we, we have no idea what's going to happen in here. Like let's focus on like, in terms of the work that we do at home, like let's focus on, on some other some other things here. And then, but when we step up here, like it's got to be about what's happening. It should all be an unexpected moment. So I have nothing prepared. You had a question. There's something I really want to come back to that you were talking about that I'm like, I don't want to say it glaze over this. I think that that's, it's an extraordinarily powerful thing that you were talking about here in terms of value about our value. And, you know, we could, because we have, we've been subconsciously through the way that, that our, our systems, whether that's educational, but it's not just educational. It's through a lot of our other sort of cultural, social way that we run things. But, you know, we, we've taught, we've been teaching ourselves that our value is determined by external things by, by, you know, what we have, by what we've learned, like, you know, it, like all of this stuff that's outside of us, we're taught that, that if we have and know those things that are outside of us, that makes us valuable. And that is a bit of a fallacy. Mm -hmm. I, and I think it's, it is, it's about, and, and from the sounds of it with this teacher, that's very encouraging because it's going into a model of saying like, let's first teach everybody about their intrinsic value. Mm-hmm. You know that, uh, and I think that comes down to where somebody it's like, yeah, like what, what do you feel? Like, what did she say to her students? Like they say, what do you want to, or what is your wish today or something? Oh, what is your wish? Yeah. What, what, or what is your, what is your wonder? What's your wonder? Yeah. What's your yeah, wonder? Like really from an early age, like telling kids who become the adults, like that those things are important, Mm -hmm. that those things are valuable. Those things that you're curious about, that you're interested in. It's like, yeah, all right, let's look at that because that's worth something because whatever that's going to turn into is going to be extraordinary. And that's going to be the thing that you're going to be the best at. Mm Mm-hmm. As opposed to this, I was just like, well, you need to learn this and learn this and like all these external things that we say are about. And now we're seeing that that's whole, that's all broken that this by basing your life and going after what sort of is outside valuable. And now people are, have degrees that, that mean absolutely nothing. You know, they they don't have the careers for it. And, and, and now everything's adjusting. People are, are now having to find their value mm-hmm. on their own because now that thing that they got doesn't have any value. So what are you left with? You're yeah. left with yourself. And it was like, all right, well, what am I bringing to the table? And so it's great that, you know, the, we, I think people, we need to start learning that you are intrinsically value valuable, Yeah. you know, and, and to get in touch, like, and have a deep connection with 
what it is that's valuable about yourself. Well, you know, it's, oh man, there's so much stuff I want to say right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm writing this screenplay, for example, and the, the main character of the story is based on a true story. Got caught up in a mountain and, uh, and basically was there for like three, like three days, almost four nights or something like that, like in the freezing cold and snow that was chest high. Uh, he had a wound that was, that required 15 stitches to, to heal his, his, not only this, he was in the snow and his, um, it wasn't like he was protected by his gear. His gear was slashed open because of the fall that he had. Right. Anyway, he's out there and he's, you know, they, they keep thinking he's dead and, um, you know, they keep thinking he's dead and they, they, they ended up finding him with the infrared camera. Anyway. Um, so there was a lot of people on Facebook when this happened and they were posting things about the snowboard or went out of bounds and now he's lost. And everybody was like, you know, it's not everybody, but there's a, there's a large amount of people that were like, Oh, you know, he's an idiot. He's stupid. You know what? Like, you know, teaches him a lesson, you know, whatever. Like people are saying the most like sociopathic, like horrible things about how this guy, like, ah, if he dies, he deserved it. And then they were like, um, the, the mountain was going to charge him like $10,000 for his rescue, right? It's all volunteer, but they were going to basically make him pay for it because they equated it. It was like about 10000 Right. And he did. He paid it back and all that stuff. But anyway, people were like, yeah, make him pay the $10,000 and blah, blah, blah. And they were like, uh, you know, what was so interesting to me is reading all these comments. And I thought, like, Pete, that's the, that's the amount you put on a person's life. You, you put $10,000 on their life. You know what I mean? Like, like, um, the, like the people were just talking about how he's an idiot and how like, like he's lucky to be alive. And he, you know, that like, ten, like, like it's hard. If you read the comments, you would see what I mean. But yeah, like the, if, if you're valuing someone else's life at $10,000 is that's it's like to you and people, but people are upset about, it cause they're like my tax money, my tax money is going to, it isn't, but people have this idea that their tax money is going to save this dude. It doesn't really work that way. Yeah. But anyway, they're like, they're like my tax money. I don't want to pay my $10,000. We don't want to pay $10,000 as a community to make sure that this guy lives. Let him die. You know, don't go and save him. You know, he deserves it. He went out of bounds basically. And you know, there was arguments being thrown back like, okay, well, so he went out of bounds, which you're not supposed to do. And he got himself into trouble, right? He didn't expect he was going to get into trouble, but he did. Lots of snowboarders go out of bounds. Happens all the time. You know, in this particular scenario, it was extreme. There was a storm, whatever. If you're speeding and you get in a car accident, should we not save you? You broke the law, right? You were speeding. Is that any different, right? It's the same thing. But anyway, the point of the matter is, is that when you think about the $10,000 is us as a community to make sure that this guy was to stay alive, like the idea that some people would be like, I'll let him die. is like, that is also kind of an expression of how much we value ourselves. Cause oh, if you don't, if you don't value another person's life, if you value a person's, another person's life very low, it's not only is it kind of a sociopathic quality that you're demonstrating, but it also demonstrates that you see your own value as so low that like a human life. And, and this is the thing is like, I think with people truly want to succeed in the world and have everything they want, we need to see life as, as infinitely valuable. You know what I mean? We need to see another human's life as, as infinitely valuable and, and let it hurt when someone dies or someone gets hurt, you know, let it hurt us because that is, is someone who is a part of our whole team. You know what I mean? Um, but th- what's interesting is that to me, this showed a lot of evidence at, at how much people 
basically put a dollar, we're taught to put a dollar amount, like people are only worth so much, which is kind of crazy, you know, but we, that, you know, basically like you can justify in all sorts of ways. You can say, well, there's so many people in the world. Like who cares if one dies? You know, it's, it's population control. People say stuff like this. And it's like, do you realize what you're doing? Like, not, not that like, like as a humanitarian, as an empath, I think that's a really harsh statement, but do you realize the negative effects that that has on you as a person? Oh yeah. Like they're, and, and I think that people don't, they don't realize that. And, and that, like every time that you don't value another human being in a way destroys you because you think about it, you project your own self into them. Like, Oh, completely. And you know, that's something that I've, you know, people have been saying, I've heard people say for a long time, it's just always, you know, it's somebody they're, they're projecting or, or, you know, how, whatever they're saying with you, it's like, that's really just how they feel about themselves. And it seems just like token advice until like when you actually really start to dive into that concept Mm -hmm. and that psychology, it's, it's completely true. Yeah. It is completely true. Right. Um, you know, like some, you think about somebody who would say, it's like, well, just let them die. Let them die. All right. Like so completely lacking in compassion, right? Like for the imperfection and mistake of another human being, which means that they probably like certain, not even probably, they certainly do not have very much compassion for themselves. No. And they certainly probably blame themselves for a lot of things as well. So, and, and because they feel that way about themselves, how can they possibly have compassion for somebody else? Because if they did have compassion for themselves and say like, Hey, you know, I make mistakes, you know, like I, you know, I'm not perfect. If you're a person who's like that, like if you're a person who's just like, Oh, it's like, you know what? I'm, I make mistakes. You know, I try and make better. I got to forgive myself for it. You know what? That's somebody who becomes a more productive, compassionate human being out to other people. Yes. But if you're a person who's on the flip side, you go, it's just like, Oh man, I fucked that up. I fucked that up. Mm-hmm. I'm such an idiot. Yeah. I can't believe this. Oh, you know, and you sleep with that and you and you're, and you can't sleep at night and whatever. It's like, how are you going to feel about something like that? You're going to, you're going to be the same way towards somebody else. Yeah. Completely. hundred percent. It's, it, that's not, that's not, that doesn't even, that you don't even have to think about that that very often. It's just like, yeah, of course. Well, yeah, this person is beating themselves up. I mean, think about their quality of life. And, and it goes back to our education point. You're taught that if you fail, you're somehow wrong or bad or not good enough. And people carry this into their life. And the thing is, is like, you know, I look at this guy and I go, I've skied out of, I've snowboarded out of bounds. You know, I, I, I never got myself into this trouble, but if that would have happened to me, like, and he was just like, when it happened, he's like, what an idiot. He was thinking like, what an idiot I am. Like, how did I get myself in this situation? Like he didn't go out of bounds thinking like, Oh, I'm going to fall off the edge of a cliff. You know what I mean? And it wasn't, he wasn't even doing anything crazy when it happened. It was like an avalanche. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and I, you know, and I think what ends up happening is I'm not saying that it's that he made the smartest decision, but when he made this decision, he didn't expect it would happen. Just like when someone speeds five miles over the speed limit or X over the speed limit, they don't expect something's going to happen, you know? And so what ends up happening is we make mistakes as human beings. And these people who are saying like, he, he's an idiot for doing this. They're saying that basically what they're saying is that we should be perfect as human beings. And if we're not, 
then we should just pay for it with the ultimate price with our life. And the thing is, is how does that allow them to make mistakes in their life? And you and I both know as teachers and educators that in life, success is you fail upward. You do not succeed upward, which is the media illusion that people like, look at uh, Brie Larson, right? Who won the Oscar. And I, I said, she's going to win the Oscar. And I was talking about her. I don't know if you remember this yeah. about Townsfolk before she was even, even nominated. And I was like, this is a really good actress. And then she shares her story and she talks about how she didn't know if she would make it and all the struggles she had and all the failures she had, but she kept going and kept knowing that this was important to her. If she was like, I'm an idiot, I'm never going to make it. I'm not a success. I don't look like these other girls, right? If she said that to herself, she wouldn't be winning an Oscar. Yeah. So she literally proves her story proves to us all. And people do this over and over and over again, that we fail upwards. We do not succeed upwards. It wasn't her successes. In, in many ways, people go, yeah, but she got this, she got the show, she did this, which gave her that opportunity. Yeah, but those things were all built on so many failures of persistence to keep with it. So I look at these people who say, this guy fucked up and he deserves to die. And I think, well, you, you, you I feel really sad for those people because I go, you will probably never succeed personally in your life because if you don't allow yourself to fail, if you're bad because you fail, now you'll never get the same opportunity because you'll be too scared to fail. Because if you think if someone fails, they should die, then just think about how you think if you fail, right? Oh yeah. That's, that's the thing I want people to hear is that, you know, we need to be more forgiving of others because it will help us be more forgiving of ourselves. And by being more forgiving of yourself and allowing yourself not to be perfect. Like for example, I didn't turn the, the volume off on the computer today. <laughs> the ringer happened. I could beat myself up and say, I ruined our podcast. You know, now people are going to be like, Oh, you know, and maybe people are doing that. They're going stupid podcast. They let a phone ring in the middle of it. What amateurs, you know what? I, I go, I feel sorry for that person. Cause you yeah. know, to me, I go, you know what? I'm human. I made a mistake. You know what? I'm going to learn every time this happens, you know, my later, our later podcast, I'm going to be more mindful of making yeah. sure that I don't cause the sound mistake, right? <laughs> but whatever, like the, you know, if, you know, this is the thing is we have to, I want to walk away from this. I want to feel good. I don't want to walk away beating myself up about it. Oh yeah. It's a, it's all about, you know, it's, it's, it's about being happy. Yeah. It's about joyful. Yeah. And it's like, in is your, is, is what the things that you've learned are, are, are your perspectives on the world? Are they making you happier? If they're not, then it's time to reevaluate. Yeah. <laughs> well, your fiance, I mean, I did a, I did a coaching session with her. She, mm-hmm. you know, she did, she, she spent like three hours with me just like going through and she had some amazing perceptual shifts that she helped me do. And I won't share what they are because they're, you know, I, I, you know, I, I figured they're pretty much her, her property, um, these concepts, but, but she helped me look back at a few memories I had and perceive them in a new way. And I was like, wow, that, that was great. I was like, wow, that totally heals the whole thing. Because when you looked at it this way, you realize, wow, it just evolved it. Right. And it was, um, I've done exercise, like actually Tony Robbins has a few exercises like that, which really helped me as well. But hers, um, rounded out a few edges of a few ones that I had never done. And and her technique was a little bit different, but it was another great perception shift. And it's like, that's powerful. I mean, it's life changing. You know what I mean? And like, you can't put a price on that. Like what's that worth, right? Yeah. (laughs) I, I mean, I've, I've been told that a shift in, a shift in perception, um, is, is worth thousands of years. Yeah. 
like, really, or, or could save, saves you thousands of years yeah. or something. It's like, it was kind of like a mystical sense in which it was coming <laughs> from. But I was like, yeah, totally. Like, you know, a, a, a shift in perception is, is really incredible because it, it changes it something deep within you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I think, um, you know, I think right now base, like our society, it, this is my opinion, our society is kind of like a, you know, we're kind of like an avalanche. We're like, we're moving forward, but we're totally screwed up. We're all messed up. And like, <laughs> you know, we're all like bumping into each other. We don't know what's up from down and whatever. But I think as, uh, as the avalanche continues to fall and, 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 you know, you're inside the avalanche, right? We're, we're inside this avalanche. People are thinking a certain way and they're bumbling around on each other and, you know, thinking people should die in a mountain because they went out of bounds. And, you know, and, and we just, we, we're kind of a mess. Like, you know, yeah. eventually we're going to look back at this time in our life and we're going to be like, whoa, we were crazy to think that way. Yeah. But I think people within this chaos of this avalanche can kind of go, wait, okay. I know, I see that we're all messed up here. Like I'm included. I'm messed up. Just like I'm, I'm fumbling around too. Like yeah. you are, I am, but, but people can kind of step outside of this and go, okay, everyone we're fumbling around. <laughs> let's, let's acknowledge that. Right. And yeah. let's try to correct this a little bit, you know, like, you know, and, and instead of us all just kind of being an avalanche of falling forward, we can start to have more of a, you know, a, uh, how are you going to turn this metaphor around, Brandon? (laughs) This is what I've been interested in. (laughs) Well, instead of like, you know, rocks bumping into each other, so to speak, more like a, like a river, you know, more like, more like, uh, more like an energy beam, more like a, a direct source, you know, that's working together as opposed to, you know, um, no, I like the river. You like the That's river? Good. Well, because, yeah. you know, we go from snow. We go from <laughs> go snow, snow to rivers. Rivers. Yeah, Yeah, yeah I like river. it. But anyway, I mean, yeah, it's it's more fluid. I, I don't know. My point is, is that, you know, in a lot of ways, um, we're bumping into each other, not because we're not bad, not because we're bad people, because we're just confused. Like, we don't, we don't realize that, like, that guy in traffic who cut you off is not your enemy. We think that person's our enemy. We think that person's thwarting us. We think that person's hurting our life. Right. And yeah. we're taught to believe that. Right. And the thing is, is the more of us that kind of start to realize, Hey, like, for example, I read an article the other day, you know, I kept, I kept seeing that I was getting cut off, you know, in traffic and I, and you know, and, and I don't, I don't mean this to sound racist. It's going <laughs> to, but, but I noticed a lot of the people that were not letting me in or whatever were Asian. And I was like, that's interesting. Right. And I, I wasn't angry about it. I just noticed it. I was like, always the Asian person. Like when I put my blinker on now, I'm not saying all Asians do this. I was just saying it's constantly an Asian person, you know, and I put my blinker on and they speed up and cut my lane off, you know, and block me. And I read an article like just a week ago or so that was talking about how if you're in I think it was China and you put your blinker on, people will do this. It's like kind of, cause it's so like, there's so much traffic, right? And so people learn in that culture not to put their blinker on because you know, otherwise people will cut you off and that's become a norm for them. So then they come over here, people put their blinker on, they think, Oh, I better move up so that they don't get ahead of me. They can go in behind me or whatever. You right. know what I mean? I don't know. It, but the article kind of explained a little bit about the cultural norm of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's good or bad or whatever. In our culture, people might say, Oh, that's terrible. But in their culture, they might say, well, Hey, you know, that's just how things work. Neither are right. Neither's wrong. Neither's better. Just the fact that you go, okay, well, everybody you know, is dealing with their own circumstances. I know when I go down to LA and I drive, 
I drive like a madman in LA. You know, like because LA is like fast moving traffic. People are speeding like way over the speed limit. Yeah. You know, you move into like the slow lane and people are going like the full speed limit and then some. You move into the fast lane and people are going that in like a half, right? Yeah. And so you know when you're trying to change lanes, you're changing five lanes of traffic. You know what I mean? Like. Compared to like, you know, most of our highways here in BC, which are now kind of three lanes, they've always kind of been two, right? I mean, changing lanes is a pretty simple procedure, right? But going over to LA, like people are like, I got to make this turnoff that's coming up in a hundred meters or whatever. And <laughs> there's seven cars that are like in, 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 in these lanes, like just flying past me. You got to get aggressive, right? Yeah. So people meet up to their cultural demands. And I think yeah. what happens is, you know, if I drove like in LA, when I drive here, people might think I'm an asshole, right? But in LA, I'm a normal person, right? But if I, if I drive like I drive in Vancouver in LA, I'm a wussy. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we can make each other wrong, but we adapt to our process. And sometimes if you've grown up in LA and you move to a smaller town, you might, you might drive like an asshole, so to speak, but you're not out to get anybody. That's just how you learn to function in your environment. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's funny because we take everything so personally. We don't understand that that person who cut me off in traffic has their own world going on and they're doing the best they can within their world. They're, they're probably a really nice yeah. person. They're probably not trying to hurt me in any way. They're probably just looking out for themselves because where the culture they came from, you have to, because you know, that's how, it, you know, that's how they learned. Yeah. Right. And the best thing to do is to shine a light on it. Sure. You know, like that's, and that, cause I think that's what you're, what you're, what the, what the point is underneath all of, all of this, you know, beneath the blinkers and the traffic is that, you know, it's like you, you just, you don't know, you know, there's so many things that you don't know about, about somebody else. And there's so many things people don't know about you. And there's things about you that you don't even know. Yeah. And it takes someone, something sometimes to come along and to shake it up a little bit and to make you go like, Whoa, I totally didn't see it that way before. Mm-hmm. And it heals something in you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, what, what, you know, I, I know I'm trying to do in my life. And I, I think it's what you're trying to do in your life. And, and we try and share that with people a little bit is, is are, are these things of being like, well, Hey, I didn't realize this before, but now I do mm-hmm. now. And, and it changes the way that I, I look at things for the better. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as a society, that's, it's important. And that's why it's, it's important that all of us, you know, we, we, we push things, we, we test things. We, we look at, at the way things are and say, how can we do this better? Mm -hmm. How can we improve upon this? Because nothing, nothing is, is permanent. No. You know, like we learn better and better ways of doing things. And, and, you know, we're, and usually the problems that we see in our world is because like, we've, we've come up to the limits of an old way of doing something. Right. And so now it's like, all right, so now we've got to change it. We've got to find a better way. Right. Right. But we didn't know. We didn't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, we, if we are willing to, to be compassionate to others and forgive them for their mistakes and, and kind of like look at them and understand that none of us are perfect School tried to teach us that if we were perfect, we were somehow better, right? So if you follow all the rules that they outlined for you, you do everything right, you know, you should be the best person, right? 
No. And then we got this right wrong model. It was like, I'm right and other people are wrong. And we learned that in our education system, you know, and it's not to say that there's some things that are more effective, that they're, that they're, you know, quote unquote, a little bit better. There's, there's, um, you know, there's certain techniques or ways in which people have developed to be more kind and to carry more principle in what they do. And it's not to say that, that those things are right, but it's to say like, Hey, like, do you see the value? Like, like, why would you open a door for, for say an old, an old lady, for example, you know, I might say, well, I look at it and I go, well, partly I might be doing it because it's the code because I was taught to do it as a, as a man and I want to look like a man and I want to blah, blah, blah. Or I could do it because I, I look at it and I go, well, you know, um, I'm not in a rush and it's a kind act and I could see that, you know, this, and it's a heavy door. I'll, I'll do it. You know, it's, it makes it easier and they're carrying bags. I don't know, whatever, right? You, you look at it and you kind of assess the situation. You do it because, because it connects with you, not because you have to, because like, um, you know, who's to say, like, who's to say cutting someone off in traffic isn't the better choice to make sometimes, you know, I've seen lots of people come into like a right lane that's being cut off that they can see is a right lane for like three blocks that's being cut off, you know, and there's signs blaring everywhere. Hey, this lane is cutting off and they go right to the end and then they expect to be cut in. Meanwhile, speeding past everyone else who's in the line, you know what I mean? And, um, maybe that person's the jerk and everyone else who's not letting them in is really the one that's kind of like upholding a principle like, Hey, don't budge. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. like be respectful that everybody's in this together. And I think it, you know, all these things. But the thing is, is that, you know, that person who does this thing, when you're upset with someone, you know, and uh, this is a common saying, I think, if you haven't heard it before, it's like, what you don't like in someone else, something you don't like in yourself, you know? Yeah. So if you don't like, like, when, when someone cuts me off in traffic, I project that if I cut someone off in traffic, this is why I would do it. But they might not be doing it for the same reasons I'm doing it. But that's the thing is we assume that everyone does everything the same way we do it. You know, people aren't doing no. it. No, <laughs> huge mistake. They have entirely different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Meisner's interesting that way because Meisner, you got it, you repeat and you try and you try and make observations of this person Yeah. and that's all projection, but you, you do your best to kind of speak your truth. Yeah. Right? But that's not always what's going on and actually no, often rarely what's going on with the other person, but it's just your experience of them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's fine. You, you brought that. There was something I wanted to bring up cause like, uh, you know, you did the, you did the class and, and, uh, there was, um, there was a moment and this is kind of going back to what we're talking about in terms of like, you know, failure or mistakes. And one of the students in the class, um, it was, it was early on. And, uh, one of the students said to the, to the other, who, <laughs> Uh, a guy said to, to a, a girl in the classroom, made an observation about her, like just a, on the spot. And he said, you have a mustache. <laughs> if you remember that. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And it was, it was amazing. Like it was perfect. Did she have a, mu- does she have a mustache? No, she doesn't have a mustache, but that's what came out of his mouth, you know, yeah. like out of, for, for whatever reason it did. And you know, he was beating himself up for it. You know, I could see him like, just like being like, like he was embarrassed and whatever. And it was a beautiful moment. And I, and I actually, I, I, I made a point of, of bringing it up with the class and, and pointing it out because I said, well, so here's the thing that was that like a mistake 
yeah, it was a mistake. She clearly does not have a mustache, yeah. right? You said she has a mustache. She doesn't have a mustache. But the thing was, was that, you know, especially for the purposes of what the work was, you know, which is about, you know, really getting into human behavior mm-hmm. and, and true responsiveness and aliveness with another person, man, the, like the laughter and the embarrassment and the, and the like confusion, like it was, it was incredible. Mm-hmm. Like it was incredible humanity to watch happen. So it was like, well, who's to say that that was wrong then? was interesting, you know, like as an, because I was an audience member during that scene and I, uh, during that kind of exercise, I should say. And, um, it was interesting because I projectively imagined that he said she had a mustache, not because he saw her have a mustache, but because he had a beard and she earlier had pointed out that he had a mustache. And in that moment to me, it seemed like he was saying she had a mustache because he was, that was one of the things that had kind of stuck in his mind. And so when he said it to her, her response as a woman that she has a mustache, which she had the farthest thing possibly from. Yeah. Like not even a fuzz, not yeah. even a peach fuzz. You know what I mean? But it was like, it was, you know, obviously a woman hearing she has a mustache is going to have a response. And then him as a man saying that to her, but like, it's so funny because it didn't really matter what they said. All this life occurred in that moment, you know? And the thing is, is like, you know, you could be like, you could be like, oh, he's a jerk for saying that or whatever. And you can make up all sorts of reasons. You could say, well, he's doing it because he wanted to hurt her or whatever. But like, you know, the thing is, is that he had this whole world going on for him and she had this whole world going on for her. And in a lot of ways, they just got information and they responded to it. You know, it was like, and and it's, it's, it's fascinating. I think, I think like, that's the thing I, I really am enjoying about this whole Meisner experience is like, it's, uh, you don't even know how you're going to respond to something. Like, you know, someone said to me, you have freckles. And I'm like, I don't have freckles. I was like, and yeah. then I'm like I don't have freckles. Like what you see. Fre-? And like, like I, I do have some moles on my face, but, but my interpretation of freckles and then all this life yeah. happens. It's just fascinating. You know, it's like, it sounds so silly. Like, you know, if you haven't experienced Meisner, I think definitely do, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's wild because you just realize like it, it really demonstrates as an actor that, you know, life is, life is happening. And in like you, it's like lightning in a bottle, you know, you capture it, but you, you, you didn't know how you did it. You didn't know how, you know, there's not like some perfect place to do it. It just kind of, you set up the circumstance for it to be possible, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And your job is just to be present to yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, totally. Present and aware. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. That's a good, that's a good example you brought up. Right? It's really great. Yeah. I no, wonder if people will understand what the Yeah, I know. Talking. I know. It's like, it's like, what? Someone's got a mustache and it was perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I know. Let, we'll just say it like somebody made what would be quote unquote, a mistake. Like intellectually, you would mm-hmm. say it was a mistake, but it, it like, it actually wasn't at all. That was the point is that they made a mistake and it led to a perfect kind of experience, right? Absolutely. It, it led to something very truthful. And I think that's kind of goes back to our point is that, you know, um, my friend here, I call him my friend because we've really become friends through this experience, but, um, with his falling off the edge of a mountain essentially, and, you know, nearly losing his life, um, his mistake changed his life. He, you know, he's talked to me about so much stuff about how he's changed and how he recognizes like there was a profound moment for him where he realized, and I think this is, you know, for all young men, you know, I think a lot of people, we think our life is only like, we only think about ourselves a lot of the time. 
And I'm not to say that he's a super egotistical person. I'm not saying that at all, but he was really thinking about, yeah, I've lived, there's a point while he was in this journey, right? Where he was like, I think, I don't think I'm going to make it. And he really was starting to accept death. He was like, it's, you know, and he was basically just going to lay there and, and fall asleep. And he didn't know if he would wake up essentially. Yeah. And he said that he was thinking about all the memories of his life, all the crazy experiences he had, all the wild things he had done. And he was just, all of that was part of his acceptance. I've lived my life. I've lived my life to the fullest. I've lived my life more than most people probably ever lived their life. And it's, this is why it's okay for me to die. Yeah. And then, uh, someone's cleaning up some trash <laughs> and then, uh, I like to point it out so people know the sound, you know, <laughs> and that we're aware that it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, don't deny reality. It's happening. Yeah. Right? Um, but anyway, so he's here as I'm telling this really important part of the story where he's accepting that he's going to die and he might die. He doesn't know for sure, but he thinks, yeah, I'm freezing. I'm going to freeze to death over this night. And, um, he had this moment where he thought about his nieces and he thought about how they're going to graduate and he's not going to be there. They're going to have weddings. He's not going to be there. He started thinking about other people and how he wasn't going to be in any of those pictures, any of those moments. He, he was just going to be this guy that, that they didn't know. And he said that I couldn't, I had to get up. I had to just go for it. I had to go. And, and what I think that was profound for me, that was profound to hear him say that because I realized like, when we just live our life for ourselves, it's very small. But when we start to think about the impact on other people, we, our human spirit is, is, is wildfire. You know, it's, there's mm-hmm. something in there. Right. And I think like, you know, um, he hadn't eaten for three days, you know, no water. I mean, you know, and I've been doing a lot of research on this whole, like drinking snow and how actually hard that is on your body. If you, if you might be facing hypothermia right. and like how in many ways, even though it's, hydrating you, it's actually going to create a greater chance of you dying and stuff. Mm. And so what he was facing physically and like to overcome these odds, also the fact that you're lost alone on a mountain for three days and three nights. And like, you're in the middle of the darkness and you can't see. And like, you're not like in some comfortable zone. You're on an edge. uh, You're like on a cliff edge where like there's areas where it's a 60 foot fall and you're walking in the middle of the night where you can't see anything. And it's not like there's stars in the moon lighting your way. Like you're just trying to see. And he said he was walking from tree to tree, you know, like in chest height snow. And even the search and rescue were like, we couldn't get to him because it was chest height snow. We couldn't even get through the snow to even like walk towards wherever he was. You know what I mean? And you know, you're dealing with that and like, you know, just shows to me, it just reminds me that my life is, is not just my experience of myself. It's my experience of everybody else, you know, like, um, and we have an impact on other people. And I think that enriches your value, you know, cause mm-hmm. I think that's where he saw his value when he thought about his nieces and he thought about his family. And it's, and, and it's interesting that he, I think really interesting that he thought about children, people who are about to live their whole life. And he, and those are the people who are the most in, the, the ones that really turn the tide for him. Because, you know, you think about a child and you think about a child, say, growing up without their father or growing up without their mother. And if you're, you know, you think about being that person, I, I mean, I'm not a parent, but I think, wow, like, what would I do? Like, wh- would I crawl through glass? Yes. You know what I mean? Would I do that stuff? Because I look at that, I go, I know what it's like to be a kid and I know what it's like to be alone and I know what it's like to lose someone. And so when we connect to that, it's, it's empathy, you know, and empathy is a powerful thing. 
And I think this is coming back to our whole point, right? Is that when we don't have empathy, how much that destroys our human spirit, right? And this was profound. This writing this story. I mean, I just think like, it's crazy, like that I'm doing this and I got, I got the fortune of doing this, but it's, it's changed me as a person already. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, it's evolved my humanity. It's evolved me as a human being because, you know, listening to someone and, and, and starting to understand their story and try it on, I mean, has, has just moved me so far beyond my own little world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, that's all I got, Evan. You're that's, looking at me, you're nodding. Like, yep. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> well, why don't you tell the beer. me about this beer? Yes. So, this As is... we've got this great music in the background. <laughs> it's always the music when we do the beer commercial, you know? This seems to be the thing. So, <laughs> so this is Off the Rails. Nice. And this is kind of a cool, cool named beer. It's called Raj Mahal India India Ale. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, I guess it's an India Pale Ale, right? Um, and it's kind of got a, it's got like kind of a, it, almost a little bit, I don't know if you, like maybe it's just because of the name, but it's got like a, a little bit of an East Indian almost um, style to it, like a little bit of a spice, like not really a spice, but like a, uh, I don't know, like a... Yeah, no, it's definitely like it's got like a little bit of hop going in it. Yeah. Not like a, like a, like an, like a hardcore IPA or something, but it's, it's a good balance, um, between mm-hmm. like smoothness and hoppiness. No, it's been going down real Clearly, easy. Very easy. Yeah. Really easy. Cause we were about to do another refill. Um, <laughs> and we've already been on our second glass. So yeah. That's good. Yep. Um, yeah, no, but it's a great beer. I, I really like them, you know, off the rail. I, I, I really like their beer selection. I like their atmosphere. Um, awesome people who work there. Yeah. And this is a great beer. I definitely recommend this. I mean, uh, you know, uh, especially if you're just dabbling in the hops, you know, <laughs> <laughs> if you're like, I, I don't really like hoppy beer, but I'm willing to try a little, this is a good, this is a good, like, you know, step up. To yeah. Like, you know, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I know I've been enjoying it. So yeah, cool. So, um, I don't know. Why don't we wrap this baby up? All right. What were your, what were your takeaways from this? Yeah, this was uh this was a real wild, wild and woolly one. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> we went from the educational system to, to value. And you know, I, I think that that is the big, that is the big thing for me. Like the, almost the tying thread of everything we've been talking about is, is about value. And you know, I, I think that it's, I think that it's such an important thing, not just for, for ourselves, but you know, for for the future of the world (laughs) (laughs) that we all begin to get connected with our value as people, despite everything, you know, like with, as I was talking about, like some of the coaching, uh, stuff that, you know, that, that cat has been doing that my fiance has been doing and stuff and, and where she's been learning things and, and learning some of the, the stuff that she's, you know, been going through and, and, you know, hearing these stories of like, you know, Hey, it doesn't matter if, if you don't have like a PhD or your bachelor's or this and that, like, you know, you have an experience 
you have an experience of life that is unique to you and getting in touch with, with what you're passionate about and, and that that's a valuable thing in, and to really connect with feeling like a valuable person and that you do have something, uh, you know, that's, that's going to, that can change far more than you that can shift other people. And, um, and also I think that today we talked a lot, you know, a a big important message today was, was one of, um, compassion, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, even having compassion for the people who would, who would be nasty against you, Mm -hmm. you know, knowing that where it's coming from, you know, someone wants to be angry against you, you know what, let them, it has nothing to do about your value as a person at all. You know, I think these actually kind of go hand in hand a little bit, you know, it's, um, so, you know, you can be, be good to yourself, be compassionate to yourself, forgive yourself for your own failings. You'll better be able to, you know, have compassion and forgive other people. You'll probably be a lot happier and you'll probably be a lot more free. Yeah. That's good. You summed up a lot, dude. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad I could do something there. I I was, I had my doubts going into that. I'm like, holy shit. Well, these not so serious Sundays are funny because we never know what's going to happen. So then you sum it up and you think, oh, wow, we went into all these different topics. Um, I mean, I would say for me, for me, like the thing that I'm really taking away from this more is, um, you know, how important it is that you see your reflection of yourself through others. And that empathy is not, not an obligation. It's a practice that benefits you as a person. It's something that actually assists you and makes you better. And, um, yeah, sure. I mean, having empathy might stop you from being able to maybe do it your way and want what you want and get what you want. But, you know, it builds your relationship with yourself and it builds your, um, it builds your, your quality of life, you know? And, um, if you allow others to make mistakes and make it okay, you allow yourself to make mistakes and not that making mistakes is what we want to do, but that you understand that even if you do your best, there's a chance you might not do it perfectly. And that, that, uh, that gives you the freedom to take some action because, you know, I think like, um, so many dreams die because people try to plan it all out and figure it all out before they ever do anything. And I, I think that if you plan things out long enough, you're eventually going to find enough reasons not to do it. So, um, a lot of life is, you know, go and just take some action. Just go try it, go do it, see what happens, learn some things from life. I mean, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen? I mean, it's just like, you know, you have that person you want to date, go and ask them out. You know, you have that, you want to be an actor, go try it out. You know, you want to make a film, go make a film. Don't, don't, sit around all day wondering about, am I going to do the best thing? Is it going to be perfect? Probably not. You're probably going to make a mistake. But the question really, I think is, are you willing to do it again? And are you willing to forgive yourself? You know, um, and don't beat yourself up if things don't work out. Secondly, cause you went off on a little bit of story. I'm going to say another couple of things. The education system, I believe for the most part in our, in our society is backwards in, in most all mediums. Um, and uh, we're learning things from a very, um, a very limiting way because, you know, people are 
learning, for example, in, in film that they need to know everything about film before they can make a film. And I absolutely 100% believe that it is the opposite. I think that you need to go grab a camera, go film some stuff and, you know, and, and film to learn, not learn to film, um, film to learn, you know, and, uh, and, and just like anything, you know, you, you, you will experience life by doing life, not, not by thinking about life and talking about life. Yes. I think there's room for thinking and talking and evolving. And obviously every time we have one of these podcasts, we're talking about it, you know, but, um, I, I, every, every week or every, I mean, every few days when we do one of these, I, I literally have a conversation with you and I, I, I step away from this and I go and apply it. You know, it's, it's not a, it's not a hesitation. It's, you know, when I talk about something here, I immediately incorporate it into my life. And I'm finding that that's why I like these talks so much because I'm getting profound results from our conversations. But I think if you're going to talk about it, you better be as prepared to act on it as you are to talk about it. If you're just here to talk about it, then don't take action. And I think like, if you're going to complain about someone, you better be willing to go and talk to them about it. Cause if you're going to, if you want to complain about them, yeah. then go talk to them about it. Don't just complain and leave it at that. That's useless. That's, that destroys you and them. But instead of complaining, why don't you just skip that step and just go talk to them? You know, if you need to figure it out a little bit, don't involve other people in the party, go complain to them, you know, take action, like make something happen in the world and learn from it. You know, so I think from this whole talk, education systems backwards, because we're taught that we need to figure all this stuff out, plan it all out, make sure we don't fail. And then we do it. But I say, no, go out there in the world, be curious, fail a little bit, try, learn, you know, refine, and then go back and do it again. You know, come back and talk about it and learn and then refine, you know? Well, yeah. Cause I mean, avoidance of failure is, that's just going to keep you from, from living fully yeah, and, and going after what you want fully. And yeah. Yeah. And, and you're going to fail anyhow. It doesn't matter what level of, of training that you've got. Yeah. You're going to fail. You're going to suffer mistakes and setbacks and, and doesn't, doesn't change anything about your value as a person. It's all relative too. I mean, cause like failure is, is, uh, dependent on the person's situation. I mean, I think that's what people think. They think they're going to learn. They're going to be good enough at a certain point. And then when they're good enough, they won't fail anymore. The game will just change at that point. You'll just, you'll just have bigger things to face, you know? So the same things that seem like devastating failures today, when you move forward, those will seem small potatoes, but what you're up to next will seem like the same thing that it'll just be on a bigger scale. Yeah. So you're never going to escape it. It's, it's, I think part of our human condition, you know, that yeah. we get a bigger life. We expand ourselves. Failure is just in a different realm, yeah. you know? So shift your perception about who you are right now. Yeah. And do your, do life, do life. <laughs> I right. like this. That's I all. like this. I like this talk too. All right. All right. <laughs> Toodles. See y'all. <laughs> <laughs> See that was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family, or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.